wandering journo at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. Buckle up to meet a great array of ordinary, everyday, incredible Australians. This podcast is brought to you by DM Podcasts, part of Diamantina Media, with more than 25 million downloads for a range of shows such as The Batuta Advocate and Chat 10 Looks 3. We made it. Can you believe it, streets of your towners? This is it, the 100th episode of the little indie podcast that could. Before we hear from the man whose storytelling is equally masterful with words or with the palette knife, the man who is bookending the series by featuring in episode 1 and 100, let's hear from some of the dedicated fans of Streets of Your Town celebrating this century episode. Streets of Your Town is such a fantastic podcast. Nance Haxton's interviewing style makes you feel like you're right there with all of the charming people that she meets. She has a real talent for finding brilliant stories. I look forward to pressing play on the latest episode as I drive to work. Um, Streets of Your Town is spectacularly intimate and universally relevant. I'm always left feeling positive and inspired every time I listen to an episode. Hello, I just wanted to wish Nance a very happy 100th episode for her fabulous Streets of Your Town podcast series. Nance has really hung in there throughout COVID and has managed to be creative in the ways that she has managed to draw upon her wealth of social contacts and networks and continues to deliver beautiful, poignant stories from people that are well known to to people we don't necessarily know much about at all. I've loved listening to Nance's podcasts and it's a wonderful addition to our family and I've listened to it late at night and when I'm driving sometimes. I always enjoy the way in which Nance asks questions and is able to bring her own warmth and compassion into each story. She has a way of making people feel special and really listen to. And she also has a beautiful, lively side to her that makes people feel happy, I guess, and uplifted. She's an amazing person who manages to juggle many things at once and I'm often amazed at her next thought or her next project. She seems to have always something creative on the boil and I find her highly inspiring. So once again, congratulations Nance. Woohoo! Wonderful, wonderful achievement and I love your work. You're listening to Wandering Jenna, Nance Haxton and this is Streets of Your Town. Thank you, Mel, Manon and Maureen for those kind words. And thanks also to Mildred, my cantankerous combi, where I'm recording this voicer today, right next to the kitchen sink by the rock and roll bed and with the traffic flying past. This podcast would not have been possible without all of your support. 
the four M's. And now to the man who so kindly kicked off this crazy streets of your town adventure, this internationally renowned artist, harking from a family of journos, generously started this podcast series by telling his story, from his idyllic country childhood to rebellious teen and on to becoming Deputy Mayor of Brisbane before rediscovering his creative talent anew. Today we revisit David Hinchliffe in his inner Brisbane city Fortitude Valley home to find out what's changed for him on the street where he lives, what's different post-pandemic and what has remained the same or even become more important than before. The same themes that all of us have pondered as we reflect on how our lives have changed too. David Hinchliffe, thank you for joining us on Streets of Your Town again. Well, it's a pleasure to be back. Celebrating our 100th episode with you because you were our first. Well, I feel honoured and very old. (laughs) Did you ever think that when I wandered up your driveway to your lovely studio the first time, I think I might see this girl in about 100 episodes? Uh, when uh, when you walk up my street, you don't usually come back a second time. Once <laughs> is enough. I live perched on the edge of a of a precipice in Fortitude Valley. But uh, no, I I always hope to see you again, Nance. Um, and on this occasion, it's indeed a very special event. Well, I can honestly say that it wouldn't have happened without you. Only you, David, I think, could believe in this crazy journey to say, "I've got this idea for a podcast. Would you be my first? There you are. I'm very pleased to have been in on the basement level of a wonderful enterprise. (laughs) So reflecting back now, that was pre-COVID we were remembering that that interview. So how has the world changed? I honestly can't uh, remember what it was like pre-COVID. I know. It's like we've blanked it from our minds, I think. Someone asked me in, uh, in, in Sydney where I've come back from whether I was based in Brisbane. And I I said, I used to say, I spent half my year in Brisbane and half in the world uh, because I'd be traveling London, New York, Paris, all of the, you know, those wonderful destinations for half of the year, painting and exhibiting. That's what you were talking about in that interview, indeed. Oh, not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Mind you, you know, places around Australia, I've discovered, uh, have their own attraction and you've discovered that too oh indeed you know you can never there's just stories everywhere you look there'd be paintings everywhere you look would do you think david Uh, i do Uh, there are paintings wherever i look i'm constantly painting in my mind but i i found as i think all of the world found treasures in their own backyard places that they had neglected because we take those places where we live for granted and i'd flown over for example, probably hundreds of times, the centre of Australia on my way to various destinations, London, Europe, etc., uh, without ever parachuting down to the middle of this great, rich, beautiful, interesting country and discovering how great, rich and beautiful it is. And so during COVID, I think COVID gave us the gift of time because I was so busy going to all those places, setting up my workshops, doing my paintings, etc., that I hadn't stopped, not so much to smell the roses, as nice as that might be, but to look around the neighbourhood. And I've done that now, and I'm, I feel I'm richer for it. Well, and that little sojourn into 
the the beating heart of Australia. I absolutely agree. It's just incredibly magic. That became quite an important chapter for you, didn't it? Because it sort of took you down a, a path of actually distributing more of those Indigenous First Nations paintings. I'd already started to buy Indigenous paintings uh, about six years ago. But three years ago, I, I hadn't actually been to any of the locations where those paintings are made. And that's the intriguing thing about Aboriginal art, that it's created almost always on the ground, uh, on the rich red soil uh, of Central Australia in some of the most remote places on earth. And it ends up through a series of hands in the boardrooms, the palaces, the penthouses, uh, the government offices uh, of countries all around the world. It's such a highly prized and sought after thing, great uh, Aboriginal art. I thought, I really should get to see where it's created. And, and I was able to. In 2020, I went out to places uh, in and around Alice Springs. I met wonderful artists like Gloria Pichari, who has since passed on, uh, Ronnie Jampanjimba, uh, Doris Bush, a whole bunch of people. I got to meet them. I wouldn't say I got to know them. That would be, you know, I'd be honoured uh, to have spent more time there. But at least I, I got to see the people who had produced this extraordinary art. And I felt much greater connection with it. That's so fascinating. I mean, what do you think drew you to Aboriginal art to begin with when you hadn't really seen that country? Well, I lay awake at night thinking, how did I start this? Because <laughs> I've now got 1,400 paintings and... Clearly, I live in a very small space. You know, the space that we're in now in my studio is really, they're really the four walls that I exist in. With your lounge slash bed in the corner. My lounge slash bed, yes, yes. Um, which is also my workbench, as you can see. Oh, I've got very utilitarian. stretcher bars, yes, uh, displayed uh, on it. Yeah. And, and so I don't have room for you know, probably 10 paintings, let alone 1,400. So I embarked on this project of lending them for my lifetime. Two were in my son's school. What a small world it is. Uh, is that Brisbane South State Secretary? That is the one. Ah. Well, there are, I think there are about 20 there, yeah. including one of the largest I own, which is, it's not up yet, a four and a half metre painting, which wow. is truly beautiful by a wonderful artist, Bob Gibson. So, yes, I think I benefited, like many people around the world, from that precious gift of time. That whole COVID experience, of course, wreaked havoc on families, on individuals, and is still wreaking havoc. Some of my friends have long COVID. And of course, it's, it's had economic effects as well. But looking at that silver lining on the cloud, I think time was something that it gave us. And hopefully it has affected a lot of people for the better as well to take stock of what's important. How else has it changed your practice, do you think, and the way that you approach your art? It's an interesting question. Uh, I love doing commissions from people. Uh, rather than just buying in a gallery, which is lovely, and I encourage people to do that, it's great when they come to me and say, look, I've, I've got a special event, uh, a wedding, a 60th anniversary, um, uh, whatever, and I want to create something that's very special. We talk about it, we discuss the sorts of things that are important to them. And I feel that connection, it's a much more personal experience and I'm producing something that is bespoke, but makes me feel almost like a member of the family. 
So I think that that personal connection is something that COVID contributed to. Before that, you know, I was rushing around. I was just sort of dealing in bulk with yes. life. Workshops in Venice. Yeah. Then to New York. <laughs> um, oh, no, there, there were times when I remember I, on one occasion, I was in Hong Kong uh, finishing off an exhibition there. Uh, I chipped my tooth. Oh. Um, my flight was to come back. I was to come back to Australia for one day before I then had to take off for New York. Uh, and in that one day, I managed to get my tooth fixed in oh, Australia. Truly. And I thought, well, uh, <laughs> I've returned to Australia <laughs> for dental work, and now I'm off again. That's hectic. Um, but nothing like that has been happening in the last three years, uh, and and life has become a bit easier. And I'm I'm a, I'm significantly older. You know, the difference between 65 <laughs> and 68, let me tell you, uh, is significant. And you're doing a lot of these workshops locally now, David. Yeah. Oh, look, I I think I I know just about every uh, <laughs> artist uh, in the southeast Queensland area. I've got workshops next, I think, in Perth. Lovely. So, uh, and it is good. It it's a way of connecting to people, but also a way of connecting back to art. See, I had been and still am a professional painter, and so. It's much more cut and dried. It's it's business like, etc. When I see people who just love art for the sheer act of creation, I it reminds me. Oh yeah, that's right. That's what art is about. It's about that wonderful sense of uh, creating something. And I, I still get that with my own paintings. But it's much more pure and direct and intense uh, when it comes from people who haven't really been painting all that much in their life. And I've seen that in your own work. Oh, truly, Dave. I have. The the joy that people get in painting is a joy that uh, is, you know, is is infectious, not like COVID. It's a, it's a, it's <laughs> a nice it's a nice infection. Oh, that's that's beautiful and it has been wonderful just to see how all of us, I suppose, have had to really pivot, uh, come up with a, a different word for that now because it's become such a cliche. Pirouette. But, yes, a pirouette, pirouette. indeed. Mm. And you've, you've learnt, as all great teachers do, that you learn as much as you teach. I think that's absolutely true. And I say that to, to the students. And not only do I say that I'm learning from them, but I say to all students that the the best lessons that they will have will not be with me, but with themselves when they're painting in their homes. Every time you do a painting, it's a lesson. You're dealing with the issues. Uh, you're having to correct mistakes, etc. And I say to all of those people who've been part of my workshops, and now it must be numbering in the hundreds, that once you come to one of my workshops, then you're a part of my family, just like I'm a part of the family of people who commission me to do paintings for their special events. So if ever they have any problems, they contact me. And they do. I get lots and lots, a bit like Father Christmas getting Christmas letters uh, saying, but they say, yes, I'm, I'm working on this landscape. What am I doing wrong? And I enjoy telling people what they're doing wrong. <laughs> now that is a, a lovely way to approach teaching. That's <laughs> the only way. And what about if we come back to the theme of Streets of Your Town, of course, and which you so wonderfully, I still go back and listen to your first episode just for the wonderful stories you've told me about this area. Have you been able to reconnect after COVID? I imagine, like all of us, we became so fractured, didn't we, and had to live in our own little bubble. And 
Well, our village became really our street uh, mm. for many of us. You know, the, the I remember the the first Anzac Day because I I think uh, April twenty five back in two thousand twenty was right smack bang in the middle of that first uh, lockdown, mm. and I stood out there on the driveway, and other residents stood out on their driveway after testing which way the wind was blowing, so yes. we weren't breathing each other's air, and I thought. <laughs> This is this is interesting. Uh, it's going to be a, a an interesting experiment. But look, I've developed friends with people in the in the neighbourhood that I perhaps otherwise wouldn't have met. And one dear, very dear friend who lives directly across the road has become a, a great friend uh, and uh, is a fellow artist and is joining me in my uh, in my next exhibition as she did in my last exhibition at Red Hill Gallery. So. Yeah, we've, we're setting up a little art collective in this community. Because, Nance, I don't know if you're aware of this, <laughs> but everyone is an artist. Truly. Is this is this your approach? Is it? Is This isn't just to get more people to your workshops, David. No. It's <laughs> never. Would I use this as an opportunity for advertising? No. It's a firm conviction that I've had for many, many years. In the 20th century, all the rules in art were absolutely shredded. Anything can be art. Uh, More than 100 years ago, Marcel Duchamp exhibited a urinal up on a pedestal, and he called it La Fontana, the fountain. Now, if a urinal can be a work of art, then it follows that anyone can be an artist. So all it requires is, I guess, the courage to say, I'll give it a go. So it's all about attitude. It's about having the opportunity to do it. It's not about whether you can paint accurately, because guess what? We've got cameras. Everyone who's got a phone has a camera. We can take a photo. We don't have to paint it. You know, in the days of uh, Michelangelo or Rembrandt, etc., if you wanted a portrait, you had to commission an artist. Now you just take a little selfie. You don't need that representation anymore. It's nice if you can paint realistically, but you don't have to. So, yes, everyone can paint, and I encourage people to explore their creative side, whether it's writing, uh, literature, dance, or painting. Artists live longer. Follow your passion. Absolutely. Follow it all the way to wherever it takes you, and hopefully it will take you to a very pleasant place. It might take you to Pilates, David. Yes. You've discovered uh, Pilates. Yes, well. and I, I've discovered Pilates because <laughs> I needed to be able to get up out of bed in the morning without groaning like an old, old man. Well, you're going to have to take all, all the wood off your wonderful, you know, multi-fold-up bed over here. I, I sleep with the stretcher bars. I live my art. I breathe my art. I breathe the fumes of acrylic paint. <laughs> So have you heard any other wonderful stories of people who bought houses for a penny? I did love that one. It's got to be one of my favourites. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm living in the house that was bought with a jar of pennies. And I don't think that happens much these days. <laughs> That's probably why it was so memorable. Uh, the, uh, the idea in this, what would be the second decade of the 21st century, that mm. anyone would be able to buy inner city real estate with a jar of pennies uh, is a bit mind-boggling. That doesn't happen anymore. Real estate costs an arm and a leg and probably a torso as well. I do feel very sorry for those people who don't have the means. It's it's a fundamental crisis in the streets of our towns. It truly is. Mm. And people don't have the opportunity to live, uh, live a good life uh, because they will never be able to own their own home. I think it's a profound issue that governments uh, and institutions need to deal with much more effectively than we've done. And I suppose that also brings us back to 
even in this cost of living crisis that Australia and the wider world is facing, to connect with your passion as a health aspect, really, like you can do that wherever you are. Yeah, I, I think that's important too. One of the benefits of COVID was not just getting in touch with your local community, but getting in touch with yourself. And uh, without sounding too Californian... Uh, about that's my, right, I'm a bit hippie. ...about my feelings. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I did start to get to know myself a little bit better. Uh, I did have a major issue, health issue, during that first year of COVID. I lost... The sight of one eye when my retina detached. Oh, I'm so sorry. And three operations later, it, it was you know, largely fixed up, although I still have difficulty seeing from it. But I got to know myself pretty well. In fact, during that whole episode, uh, I researched the number of artists who had lost their sight. Okay. I was quite comforted by the fact that some of them entered the most flourishing part of their career when they lost their eyesight. And there you go. Again, it's not a photographic representation. It is an interpretation. And it's about feelings, Nance. It's, it's about feelings. You've got to feel the paint. <laughs> it's wonderful to speak with you again, David. Is there anything else that you'd like to add for our Streets of Your Town listeners? Only that you provide a wonderful service. Uh, I am a firm believer that in this country we don't tell our own stories mm -hmm. to ourselves you know, we, we see stories about American life, uh, British life, uh, life in other countries. We have so many extraordinary stories. There are so many Aboriginal stories in this country. In my own hometown of Toowoomba, the, uh, the great Aboriginal war warrior Maltagra fought one of the most important battles with white settlers back in the early part of the 19th century that I'd never heard about. I only discovered that story about a year ago. Now, I want books to be written about it. I want a film to be made about it because these are stories that are not only interesting, but they're important and they tell us more about who we are and the country that we live in. So hopefully we'll take all of that on board and know more about ourselves and you are contributing to that. Thank you. I think there is a lot to be learnt from the great Aboriginal tradition of yarning, I have to say, and, and of taking time, being in a place, being present on country. And it's lovely yarning with you, Nan. Thank you, David. Lovely yarning with you too. That was internationally renowned artist David Hinchliffe for this 100th episode of Streets of Your Town. Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, a.k.a. The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. If you'd like to meet more everyday, incredible Australians, subscribe and listen to the back catalogue of Streets of Your Town, including Series 2, The Journo Project, on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please review and rate Streets of Your Town on your podcast provider, share the show with your mates, or join my wandering Journo tribe of supporters at the Streets of Your Town website site, soyt.substack.com.